Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Okay, my brother, are you there? Make sure your phone is not on mute. And for those who's listening to this recording, you're about to hear a session in an episode of A Man's View with Kenneth Jennings. And so um, we'll be on in one one moment. Testing testing one two one two. Biggest challenge is us. I am Chris Fiscitali of Competitive. Every day was a battle. Yes, yeah, yeah, he did it for 40 minutes. No matter what we did, it seemed like it was a story. Scotty was to be himself. When the trust is broken, it's sort of shocking. I'm not with Scotty. Six championships in eight years. Really great to see. Can we get on the same level? I'm just telling you what's going on. Oh, 
go ahead do your introduction and we can go ahead and get into it. Okay. Good evening, everybody. I want to welcome everybody to the man's view. Ladies and gentlemen, you tune in to the man's view, hosted by Kendall Jellybean Jennings and co-host Portier Love, live on the four-time award-winning Port Radio Station. Tonight's topic is going to be the last stand. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Everybody watching. This is the most, most watched show on TV right now, on ESPN, the man, the last stands with the Chicago Bulls. Let's let's get into a little conversation. Let's talk about it. My special guest tonight gonna be Bobby Simmons, and I want to just start off. You know, I want to thank everybody for who's gonna be calling in tonight, who's gonna be listening in, that's gonna be a part of the show. I want to thank y'all. I just want to start off myself tonight talking about, um, like I said, we go talk about the last stands. I want to give y'all a little story that I got about the last stand. So anybody else call in, I want to see how many of y'all can match what I was going to mention out here today. The last, um, it made me think about during the times when, back in the day when I was going to the game, and um, I used to be a season ticket holder, so I didn't see every, literally every Bulls game, championship game, playoff game that they had at the stadium. And I remember the time when um, I used to go to some of the, the parties afterwards with the players. And a lot of times I, I'd be from running around, doing so many different things, trying to party, trying to work. And I would go to some of the parties sometimes and I would go to sleep. And I remember one of these times I'm at the party and I go to sleep and all of a sudden somebody come nudging me on the shoulder. And then lo and behold, I look up, it's Dennis Rodman. And he's taking the cigar and he's stuffing it in my mouth and talking about, wake up, we finna have something to drink. So as we sitting down there, we having something to drink and everything. And I, I thought it hit me a few drinks. I gained enough courage enough to ask him the question that I want to ask. And the question that I asked him was, why do you be acting so crazy all the time? And his response was, look, me dead and I said, the more crazy I act, the more money people want to pay me. At that point, I was like, okay, maybe all this is what he's doing is just to act. So people are not always what they seem on the cover. Sometimes people are more deeper than what we might even think. But that was my story for the night on Dennis Rodman. And I would like for everybody else to call in to um, let me know what your stories are. Um, the um, last dance, what you think about the show, who you think is the most uh, person that looking, that's not looking too good on the show, who's making themselves look bad and who's making themselves look good. So call in, let me know, and let's, let's get this show going. I got my, um, my host to be calling in soon and my special guest to be calling in soon. So please let yourself be known. Let me know y'all here with me, and let's get this show going. Seven 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 three six two one. You're live on the air. Seven seven three six two one. State your name. Seven seven three six two one. State your name. Hey, it's Heather Ken. Hello, Hi, how you doing? Going? 
There you hey, go. Hey, Liz. How you doing? Okay, we, we also have 210-872 on the line. Call us, state your name. Bobby Simmons. Hello. Oh, what's up, Bobby? How you doing? What up, KJ? Thank you for calling in tonight, Bobby. <laughs> um, just to give this brother a little bit of an introduction there, White, so y'all know who I got on the line. This is one of Simeon's finest. This is one of Simeon's legends. Um, went, went on and left from being the Simeon, went on to DePaul University, left DePaul, went, uh, went on and got drafted in the second round by the Washington Wizards in um, 2001 and 2005. He was one of the most improved players in the NBA. Uh, off the court, he has a clothing store named Success. Um, and they got a nightclub named Society. And among, the, and, and among many other entrepreneurs and adventures that he's, endeavors that he's doing and being a part of, you know, not just sitting back on what he earned for earning more and out here helping other people giving other people opportunity to be successful what their dreams might be so once again everybody this is bobby simmons thank you bobby for calling in and just wanted to, um okay. just appreciate it brother you calling in being part of my show tonight um want to see what how you feel what you think about the last stance and everything well, you had a chance to um, play with Mike, didn't you? Yeah, well, actually, Michael Jordan drafted me out of out of DePaul University once I left college. So I think okay, and and I I, I think this is a treat for one our youth who never watched him play, and to actually understand the business of basketball, especially when it comes to competing at that level, and for our future. And not only that, our young athletes who pretty much are inspired to be professional athletes or NBA players or if it's overseas, if they don't make it to the NBA, mm-hmm. the work ethic and the drive that is going to take to compete at that level because, one, it's a business. And right. also you have to think about the work ethic and the competitive nature that you're going to have to bring every single day. And as as we watched the last dance, one being a kid who watched the six championships and watched Michael win, it took a lot to get everybody on the same page. That's why he stated that some people may or may not like me after this. But right. it, take, it takes a collective effort. And like you said, it may be a guy who is content with making the money but not willing to put in the work. If you're not going to put in the work, why are we here? This has been my dream. This has been my goal. This has been something that I wanted to achieve my whole entire life. And as you get closer to that dream, it fuels your fire. And so I, I tip my hat to him because now it's a lot of things that I've learned about him that I didn't personally know. But I mm-hmm. can understand because now 
I was that same kid at five, six, seven years old dribbling the basketball saying that I was going to play on TV. Okay, right, so, right. So when you get closer, it's like you got to want more. You have to want more, especially at that level, because if you don't have the passion to do it every day and the will to overcome the obstacles of how you got there, because some people forget how they got there and they get content. Mm-hmm. So that drive, and, and like you said, the last dance, I was there to the last, I was there to the end. I right. seen the last, I was there, a part of the last game. I was a part of the last shot taken in, in, the, um, in the game. You know what I mean? So I had to, I was, I'm very grateful for those opportunities because now it's like I had the opportunity, one, being handpicked by Michael Jordan because, remember, he was in the front office and he decided to come back to play. Right. So a kid from Chicago and, and, and most definitely um, dreamed of playing in the NBA, worked my ass off, get to that point, and not only that, like you said, they still had the, the, the grace of God to give me the strength to actually fulfill that journey that I had to go on. So, question that 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 Michael Jordan that we watching now, the intensity, the thrive to be the best. Did he still have that same thrive and that drive the last couple of years in Washington, like we seen with the Bulls for that last year, the championship run? And just throughout that most whole time, you'll see it? AJ, most, most, most definitely. And I think a lot of that has, if, if people don't know, it's rubbed off on so many players after they left the Washington Wizards that were very successful. Okay. If you recall, Tyron Lou won the NBA championship with the Lakers. True. And signed the and signed the deal with the Washington Wizards to come play, to play to play with MJ. Okay. So if you recall, Rip Hamilton was with the Washington Wizards. He goes off to Detroit right. to win mm-hmm. championships. So like it's been yeah. a lot of people who he's inspired, who he showed the ropes, and you know what I mean. Like we always talk about sharing knowledge. And he was that guy. Okay. Because he, he he wanted to win. So a lot of guys learn what it takes. You know what I mean? The repetition of everything, you know what I mean? Every single day. Mm-hmm. Of what it's going to take to win. Okay, well, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to work on that. Well, what about this? What about that? It's questions that were being asked. And especially for myself, I was trying to soak all the knowledge up. And I think I benefited okay. from that to have a 12-year NBA career. So do you think that type of player would be able, would that still be able to go on with today's players? You know, they say a lot of times today's players are soft compared to the players back in the day. Would, would I don't think, Mike? I don't, but, but you know what? I don't necessarily think it's soft. It's a different generation. Yeah. Totally different mm-hmm. era from what what we were used to coming into the like if you're talking about the NBA, and that if you don't have the veteran guys to actually pass it down to you, 
and you have a young ball club because, one, they want to sell tickets, you have to think about it. it. You can't fault them for what they don't know. So now it's to the point where, like, even myself, I work with the NBA Players Association right now, and my ultimate goal is to give guys the information that they probably haven't received. Okay. Cool. Um, next, well, for yourself, what was some of your most enjoyable and least enjoyable parts of playing in NBA? Say that one more time. What was your most enjoyable and least enjoyable part of playing in the NBA? I think the most enjoyable was the game itself. And having the opportunity to meet and bond with guys for six and eight, six to eight months. And we go through the trenches together. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these guys are coming in the league young, and now I know their kids. You know what I mean? I I got to know their family. It's almost like just just having a neighbor and being a new kid on the block, going to a new new ball club. You got to learn all these guys, what they like, what they dislike what they're capable right. of doing in certain situations. It's so much that mentally you have to train yourself to understand because you're always thinking on the fly in the, in the sense of a game. So, mm-hmm. like, those things, and you just build those bonds with guys, and, and that's the best feeling ever, especially as we get older. We can laugh about things that happen in the locker room. We can laugh about things that happen on the court when somebody got dunked on or everybody laughed. You know what I mean? Like those type of memories, you can't get that again. So exactly. that's some of the things. Like also, like even speaking, I played with Mo Williams um, in, in, um, in Milwaukee. He just got the head coaching job at Alabama State. Like, you know what I mean? So it's just a multitude of things that, that comes out of that, and you're building your network, you know what I mean? You're building your relationship with guys. And by far, like, you never know. We have kids. They may want to play in college or they may want to play in the NBA. One of your guys, your friends, may be an assistant coach. Or he may be a head coach. Okay. He can be somebody within the network, you know what I mean, of, of resources where you can, you can utilize that because of the re- relationship that you built. Okay, cool. Thank you. Hey, I want to uh, bring in um, the, the man that puts all this together, um, Black Ice. Hey, brother, why don't you come in and shine in a little bit? Let me know. Yeah, you know, Bobby. Yeah, you know, uh, first of all, let me just make a few comments. You know, um, this thing is much bigger than basketball itself because I'm telling you, the 90s, man, we made so much money. I was the guy on the street corner selling the Bulls t-shirts, you know what I'm saying? And the amount of money that I made on that corner selling shirts, I remember taking a leave of absence off my job and in 30, in, and in three months making $30,000 on a street corner selling Bulls oh, wow. t-shirts. And so, you know, I was that cat on 79th and Damon and, and, and man, it, you know, and I was able to put my family on, my family was eating. But the thing I love about uh, Michael, is Michael always had a high basketball IQ 
everybody didn't have that. See, when when you study the game, you also have to study what you do when you down 10 points, what you do when there's five seconds left on the clock, what you do when you can't knock down nothing. I've seen Michael, when he couldn't hit a shot, he'd drive to the hole, get to the foul line until he got his shot back on. So it was the mental game that I loved right. when I would watch the Bulls play their game. It was the, the mental adjustments that Phil Jackson would have to make and tell the team, okay, well, we're going to do this now. I know we came in, into the game planning to do this, but we're going to make an adjustment because they're killing us uh, on this end. So we're going we, to focus on this player. We're going to shut this player down. Man, it's, it's just – it's all mental. And people just think it's just athletic. If you got the athletic ability and, and, and the skill set without the mental capability, then you're going to lose every time. Phil Jackson was a genius to be able to put all these personalities together. And 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 with all these different, um, he couldn't work well in San Antonio with the Spurs. It was something about him over there with that chemistry. It just didn't work. But when he came over there to the Bulls, he had a man like Mike that he really, really Mike was going to go hard as he he would go. You got somebody who's gonna go, then you don't mind making those sacrifices. So I, I got a lot more than I want to say, but I know we have other callers on the line, man. But I just want to come on, man, and say when I'm watching the last dance, that's what I'm watching. I'm watching what Mike's mind was like, what his mental capability was like. Even when he lost, even when he felt defeated, what adjustment did he make in his mind to come back to win the next time? Then I'm going to turn it back over to you. All right. Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate those words of wisdom that you just gave to us and let us know how. Because I can truly hear that was that was coming from the heart for you. It's really touched you. And I think like it's touched a whole lot of people across the country that's watching this. Like I said, this is one of the most watched shows ever on ESPN. And especially for our youth, they get a chance to see this man was considered the greatest player of all time. But even with him being considered the greatest player of all time, he still outworked everybody else. So, like he said, he never asked nobody to go out there and do nothing that he wasn't willing and capable of able to do himself. And that right there, that's what sets him apart from everybody else. You know, sometimes a lot of people, they will tell you, okay, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. But they're not willing to do the same thing. If they're not willing to do the same thing, how is that going to lead you to want to do the same thing, to do what he's asking you to do. So I know we got some callers on the line. Um, come on, next caller, could you please come online, please? Tell me your name, where you're from, and your question. Hey, what's going on? This is A.A. Ron uh, from Chicago Ridge. Um, yeah, I know we're talking about the uh, the last dance. For me, it's been uh, it's just been epic for me. Uh, you know, I'm a sports fanatic. I do sports. And I love it, man. For me, it's just been awesome. And, you know, just to extend a little bit about, you know, what Black was talking about, about uh, Jordan's attitude, you know, the more I think about it and the more you got to understand where when he first got to the Bulls, what the culture was like here, right? So the culture was the culture here was you had a team that was uh, primarily the entire team was doing drugs, and, and the coaches were handing players cigarettes during games to smoke. 
So there was not a winning culture here, and Jordan saw that. And he really recognized it when he came back after being injured in his second season when he broke his foot, and there was 13 seconds left in the game, and they had him on a time limit, and he had reached his time limit, but there was only 13 seconds left in the game, and they had a chance to win, and, and the coach, Paul Westville, refused to put him back in the game. And he said, Coach, put me back in. He said, I can't. If I do, I'll get tired. So that, really, that right there set, him, set Jordan up to understand where that team was at, and he realized that he had to set the tone that he had to achieve a height, a heightened sense of winning on his own with his own mentality. He had to raise his game and raise everybody else's game around him that came in after him, and that's exactly what he did. That's how he raised the level and the culture to a winning culture after that, and that's why he was so hard on Horace Grant. That's why he was so hard on all these other P.J. Armstrong and, and, and Purdue and all these other players that came after him. So – I think what, we're, what we found in, in episodes seven and eight, though, is we found a, a sense of humility, a sense of humanization of Jordan, and his the love for his father is what we we're the, the story and sort of the theme here. When you see the emotional Jordan talking about um, his father and how close they were and the impact that he had on his life and his game and his uh, how he motivated him and, and kept him going during tough times. And then when he wasn't there, and then when he came back uh, to playing baseball in 90, 95, 96, and then went on to win 72 games and break the record and then win the title and how much he, how he collapsed on the floor and said, I'm, and just in, in a heap and just crying, I know he's watching, I know he's watching, and what that meant to him. So you see the human side of Jordan here, which a lot of the times we didn't get to see. So I thought it was a beautiful uh, seven and eight was really was really pointed at that, and, and I thought it was just epic. Thank you. I appreciate your call, and I love your insight. You really broke that down the way I mean the way everybody else is. I have an opportunity to see it too. Um, let me let me get a chance. Uh, thank you very much for calling. Can we go into our next Pleasure. caller, please. We got on next state your name and where you're from. Yeah, this is Coach Chick. Oh, what's up, Coach Chick? How you doing? God bless everybody on this blessed evening. God bless you. How you doing, Bobby? Yeah, man. Bobby, I need, I, I need, I need a shot from the corner. You want to shoot one from the corner for now? I appreciate that. <laughs> I got it. Oh, <laughs> Look here, question to you, Bobby. I just wanted to ask you this here, and it's in relationship with the last dance. I've been watching the sequences as they went from, from the going on to, uh, let's say, episode 9 and 10. How would you explain to your son, given the last dance, the effect that it may have on the youth? Because, I mean, a lot's been said and a lot's been seen. How do you break that down to a young man that's saying, ooh, I want to aspire to be? And you can take the various episodes and look through them. I heard Jordan say, you know, you want to be me? You want to be me? Be me for a year. Well, Bobby, you was there. You know, what is it like? How do you? There's a lot of young men sitting there right now, and they've been watching it. And I know that they got these aspirations, but there's a reality check that has to be explained to them. Would you sort of elaborate on, understand when you're looking at the last dance from the eyes of a young man, but an adult talking to that young man, explain to him, hey, let's talk about the last dance from that perspective. 
And 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 not only that, I <laughs> I talk to my son Bakari all the time about the things because if you guys know it or not, he really lived the last dance. He was a part of Michael Jordan's last two years. He was a kid, but he experienced that being in the gym with all that, all, all the Chicago ballers and you know what I mean NBA practices and things like that. So what I what what be, beyond him and his peers, um, I would say like Taylor Horton Tucker's. You have the Zach Novells. You have the Kendrick Nunns. You have the Derrick Rose. You have you know what I mean Jabari Parkers. You have all these guys who watch me do it. So my thing is, is that you guys inspire others. There will be someone that comes behind you. So you never know who's watching. But the thing is that you owe it to someone else to share knowledge. As I've always say, I will continue to say that because now it may be someone who see it, but don't know how to ask questions. And for the okay. youth is that you have to you have to one hold yourself accountable because now if they don't know you can't just think that they know. I was fortunate <laughs> enough to play with the great Bob Hambrick. May he rest in peace. But Hambrick has taught me so much to where I was able to overcome obstacles. That if he didn't show me that because that wasn't my game before I got to Simeon. Mm-hmm. And so being able to transition, and that's something that Mike did those last two years. We saw the high flying, the 360, the windmill dunking, the going through three, four guys, splitting double teams and all that. But <laughs> he, was, Mike. He, was up in, he was up in age. So as we talk about the mental capacity of knowing what a guy going to do, how his body is going to, react when 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 I do a pump fake shot. You know what I mean? So he was really having fun. Competing, talking trash. Of course we all know that, but you gotta understand that the the game was so fun to him. I actually watched him enjoy it. Some games got close and not only that you see him turn it up. But that that's the thing that getting up at six in the morning hitting the weights, you know what I mean, getting extra shots up before and after practice. Like, your work ethic is everything when it comes to being a professional because now you don't get days off. Mm-hmm. And being a professional, okay. you're, you're being held accountable. <laughs> For, yeah, they, when they send you their check, you better be held accountable. Yeah, mm-hmm. being held accountable because now you think about it. It's a privilege. It's not a right. You will be out of there if you're not competing to the level of the organization or they see fit that they need you. Because they got guys coming in every year. And that's, that's the, that's, that, that is the most important thing that I will share with a young man. And, and most definitely um, I talked to my son about that because now you got to want it. You got to have that will to win. You got to have that drive. You got to be passionate about it. As we talk about sick P, sick P. Yes, proper preparation yeah. and practice for this poor performance. Yes, sir. Hey, that is for real. That will live with me forever. 
Yeah, you actually, you don't know, you don't know those. You missing out on something. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that is my daily routine. You can't have a successful business and be piss poor. Mm-hmm. You can't go and talk as a career counselor and be piss poor. Because they'll look at you like, well, what did you do? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Who you to talk to now, Throughout that, throughout throughout your journey, you've had experiences that you can share, and as I always like, like just sharing knowledge of things that you have experienced, so they don't make mistakes. Excellent. That is Excellent. the most important. That is the most important thing, and that is a key component when it comes to one. If people are really paying attention to the last dance, it's attention to detail. Everything yeah. was strategic. The mental capacity he had to think for other guys on the floor. Mm-hmm. The best, because, I think it was, I, I think, KJ, I think it was um, episode uh, five and six. Oh, maybe right. it was the last one. When he said, before training camp, he told Bill Winnington, hold on to my cape. Yeah. And Bill, I think that was the Huh? I think that was the last so, two, seven and eight. Yeah, seven and eight. He told he told Bill Winning, hold on to my cape. Bill Winning is not the most talented, but he was a hard worker. Exactly. So when it came to that, he knew that he can trust Bill if he got into the trenches and now that we got to close this thing out, I can depend on him. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach Chick, that's just like having them guys on that line. The guy to my left and my right, I got to be able to trust him. Yeah. Build that relationship with your life. Because, KJ, 100%, my brother. Because now the thing is, I'm not going to let you down. You don't let me down. We win and we lose together. But at least we know we tried. We gave it our best. Exactly. Excellent insight. Excellent insight. You know, um, if you don't mind, I lead into one other thing, Jenny. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Coach. Yeah, uh, and, and in that, and you and I talked about it, Bobby. When I asked you another question, I, I, you know, you, you have great teams that don't win, and you have what they call average teams that win. Would you talk about again? You sort of hit it a little bit more, if you don't mind, about that word and sits and all that chemistry. How important is chemistry? Before you answer that question, uh-huh. let, me, uh, let, me, let me do a little commercial break real quick. Just for a second. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, right you're in. to A Man's View, hosted by Kenneth Jelly Bean Jennings, live on the four-time award-winning Port Radio. All right, let's get back at it. I want to say thank you. I want to um, go to my Facebook Live, people that's checking me out right now. I thank you all for checking in. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing y'all comments and everything. I want to thank y'all for tuning in on to the show tonight. Um, and we're going to be having a great show, a great time talking about the last stand. Um, everybody, just don't call, just don't watch on Facebook Live. Call in, too. Let me hear your questions. All right, buddy, go ahead. Okay, Coach Chick, you said you, you, you're talking about chemistry. And I chemistry, think yeah. if, 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 if anybody took chemistry class, you can't mix oil and water. 
Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and not only that, like you said, you just got to have intricate pieces. And now that, like you said, if we're tying everything to the last dance, they went out and saw out the pieces to make them complete. And then I think mm-hmm. with, with bringing in a Dennis Rodman, they lost Horace Grant. You know what I'm saying? So, so now you had Judd Bushler, you had Steve Kerr, you had, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Randy Brown. Like you had guys that wasn't superstars, but they fit the puzzle. They they understood their role was. They understood their role. They made it whole. And not only that, they all won together. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit yeah, of it is that it, you don't always have to be the superstar. Batman had Robin. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? So if you, if, right. you, if you think about it, if you think about it, okay, where's Batman? But now that he's going to need a wingman because some nights he might not have it, but I mm-hmm. can depend on it like Mike has Scotty. Exactly. When the game he had, he, he said he had the flu, he wasn't feeling well. He 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 rolled with him, and I would and I can only imagine what was said on that bench. Give me what you got. I need it all. Give it all to me, and and I take care of the rest. I've been in mm-hmm. situations like that, and therefore, and that's the same thing. Like we revert back to chemistry, and not only that, holding the guy next to you accountable. They getting paid too, like. You get paid to work. You got to show up and punch that clock. And we're going to do it together. That's what I got about Kim. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Jenny. Bobby, love you all. Both of you always and forever. And I'll be talking with you. Thanks a lot. All right, Coach. All right. Thanks a lot, Coach. Kyle. Appreciate it, Coach. Uh, let's get our next call on the line. Um. State your name and where you from. I'm also looking for an L one um, to, to be calling in. We got our next caller. State your name and where you from. Okay, well, that, um, I want to talk to I want to tell everybody about something that I've seen that, 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 that pretty much defines how great this man was. I remember being at a game one night, and this wasn't shown on TV. And I'm quite sure they cut this out or went to commercial break or something. Because I remember when I came back home, I didn't see it on TV like that. And Michael Jordan was coming down the court. And this was this was during the last couple of years when he was there. And the Bulls playing horrible. And you could tell he's not happy. He's getting upset about it. And he crossed half court, gets to the top of the circle, and all of a sudden he gets there and he yells, stop. And literally everybody stopped on both teams, the referee, everybody. And he stopped pointing to people where he wanted them to go and started dribbling the ball again. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, ain't that a double dribble or, or or something? Shouldn't that be some type of call? But they didn't call anything. But that just go to show how much 
control and, and how much he was just that dominant of a player that he was able to do something like that. And for me, that was one of the greatest things. He done did a lot of great things, but that was one of the greatest things I ever seen him do. Hey, Jay. I didn't see that. Yeah. I want to say the referees are fans too, baby. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> That's they what they want to They ain't watching the show. <laughs> yeah. And, and, he all, and he always delivered. Hey, um, oh, yeah. you got any more callers on the line? Okay. Well, we don't got any more callers on the line. Um, want to ask you ask you this question, Bobby? Just from what I was just describing, um, or not even that. When Mike was talking about how he always found a challenge, like he'd take the littlest things, like with um the the coach from Seattle, when it, when he didn't come speak to him. At, at uh-huh. the restaurant that night, and he used that to be his motivation. That do you, as a player yourself, did you used to find different things to motivate you to go against certain people or certain players or certain teams? All the time. All the time, and I, and I think that's the psyche of a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, it has to be something that's going to drive you every day. Something that it can be the music you're listening to, it can be um, a multitude of things. As guys say, that their daily routine, they regiment before games. Some guys, you know, they wear, um, change their shoes at certain times, and you know what I mean. That like it's so many things prior to that. The mindset of approaching the game. You got to have a killer's mentality because now it's almost as if you think about uh, against all odds, like like I have to perform. I cannot have a bad day. You might not have a good plan night, but there's other things and the tangible things that you can help your team win the game. Right. There's so many, there's so many aspects of the game mentally that you have to be prepared for because you just don't know what type of night you're going to have, especially if you you plan and you only get a certain amount of shots a game. Because if you're missing the shots that you normally supposed to make, your points per game going to go down because you're not making your average. Right. Like, it's so, okay. it's, it's so many things but that, that, that ties into that. Because I, now, if you have a bad, if you have, if you shoot bad the first half, you can't come back out the second half shooting in the slump. You got to figure it out. Let me let me go to our next caller. Did you turn our next caller on? State your name and where you're from. Shango E. Cook from the South Side of Chicago, but living in Memphis, Tennessee. What's going on, my brother? What up, Shango? What's up, Cook? How you feeling? Man, everything's better than good, man. Better than good. Hey, Bobby, this is another Syriana love. This is my my classmate and my running back, uh, Shango <laughs> Silk, as I can call him. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, I had a uh, chance. I met I met Bobby about five years ago at the Simeon uh, All Reunion. I came in from Memphis and we we chopped it up for a minute. I was sharing with Bobby just like I've been sharing with a lot of other people that I'm trying. I know y'all talking about Jordan. I guess we'll get to that, but I'm trying to set up this um, Legends game: Memphis Legends versus Chicago Legends. And um, uh, you know, I, since I've been here, I, you know, I rub elbows with Penny Hardaway and some other guys. And I know he's doing his thing at the University of Memphis. My son actually attends the high school where he was coaching, you know, big James Wiseman before he went over to the University of Memphis. So I've been sharing with him my idea. And I grew up on 95th Street with Big Nuke, you know, so I've been sharing with Big Nuke. So I just need to get this thing together. You know, Jamie Brandon also came out the same year we did in 90. So he's excited about getting something like that going. But, you know, as it get closer, maybe like next summer, if you know, this thing kind of blows over, I would love to have a Memphis versus Chicago, you know, Legends basketball game. And I'll and in the halftime, we could do something like we can honor Ben Wilson and also honor uh, Lorenz and Wright, you know, who both tragically lost their lives to violence. And so I, I think I'm, I'm in groove with the right people here in Memphis. I always got my Simeon family behind me. I know they're going to make it happy. So Penny was happy. His eyes lit up when I told him I'm with the Simeon. I, and of course, I didn't know Nick. So I didn't come off like, I know Nick. We used to hang out and stuff like that. So I just told him I went there. And I graduated with Coach Rob, so when you know, Memphis was, uh, was, um, you know, was Simeon would come down every year and play in the Classic, in the Penny Hardaway Classic. But that's what I'm trying to do. So I just want to, you know, touch base with Bubba, uh, Brother Bobby again while I got him on the line. I, I, I most definitely, Shane. I most definitely would, would, would love that. I most definitely yeah, would we're love that. We're going to have to all link up and talk about that because I think that's a great thing. And for everybody, yeah. you know, I always have to let everybody know, this is the brother. He done took house music down there to Memphis and took it to the Mid-South. <laughs> and he found the house in the Mid-South, baby. So, you know, house in the Mid-South. There you go. Yeah. And then also another guy. Who, 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 yeah. And the other guy who created this whole platform, you know, give it up for, you know, uh, Hawthorne, man. You know, Ice Cold Ultimate Warrior. That's our classmate as well. Oh, yeah. So thanks again for oh, creating yeah. this yes, platform. Sir. Yes, sir. He helped me create my yeah. stuff. It's always been a dream of mine to have my own show. And he's affording me this to be able to do so. So all hats go off to my brother. My brother oh, I, yeah, I yeah. I appreciate you, brother. You know, uh, and I'm looking forward to coming to Memphis, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got to get you to open up. We got to get that slam. We got to open up for us. So I stay in contact with kids, brother Bobby. You know, we'll work through some things, you know, as it gets closer, maybe start planning for next year. Like I said, I've been talking off and on with Jamie Brandon and uh, Q Dillon and all them guys, so they were excited to kind of put some things together. But, you know, I just stay on top of it and, and run it through Kenneth so he can get it to you. Yeah, I think that would be a heck of a game. Of course, Shotdown go win. But I think it's oh, yeah, we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, y'all keep up the good work, man. All right, Jay Appreciate you calling, brother. Uh, if we got another call on the line, uh, please state your name and where you from. Let's see if we can get, get L1 on. He's celebrating his birthday also as well. And I know he was around, you know what I'm saying, Jordan Gears. This brother's a Chicago hip-hop legend. Let's see if we can get him on. L1. Brother L1, you with us? I know my brother's at work too. He's on. You know, a lot of times he'll call in just to listen to the show. Uh, so right. that may be what he's only capable of doing right now. Yeah. Well, let, let us say happy birthday to that brother. Um, yeah, happy birthday. another year of being here. 
you know, being part of the sign, God has blessed you with another year, another day, another second, another minute. We have to appreciate all those seconds of time that we're living in right now. You know, we got to we got to be there and got to show love for our people, and and, and, and make it worthy for them to um, understand that this life is perfect right now. And if, it's, if it ain't been no other time like that, we have to understand and appreciate that. We have to understand you wake up in the morning, that's a gift. And we have to appreciate our our first responders that's out here, our, our doctors, our nurses, our scientists, our healthcare workers, our central workers, our caregivers, the people that's behind the scenes that we might not never know that's out here that's, that, that's going every day to, to save our lives. And we have to appreciate them and uplift them and pray for them. And that's them because they they take they they put their lives in their hands every day to help us to survive. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, and your and your let me throw this out there um, on on the platform also as well. You know, as a Chicagoan, you know, to see how management did the team after. You know, we had won our second three-peat. And it's like, you know, right. you you felt like they could have won two more. You know what I'm saying? With the, the years that Jordan had left, with the people that we had. And, and we would have attracted more stars. You know, stars want to come. You know what I'm saying? Uh, ballers want to come where they winning. I remember Shaquille O'Neal said to Kobe Bryant, you're going to go to Colas, Chicago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Instead of going to somewhere warm. You know, first of all, the city has you know a, a down spot with the weather and you know what I'm saying in the winter time but Jordan had built a respectable franchise here and to see you know management do the team like that man it was just so disappointing and here it yeah. is now you know what um 15 years later and we still haven't produced I, I don't I don't even I can't I can't even remember if we've been to the finals since that you know, what I'm saying? we have we have closest we got with Derrick Rose and he was here before he got injured. You know, we had a chance to get there, but I think we I, I blame that on bad coaching. But yeah, it, it, it's a shame what um, Jerry Krause and them did to this to this organization for to be at such a high level for them to almost purposely see like seem like they wanted to bring it down and destroy the foundation of it. Hey, yeah, that was, it was this question. Um, with the scholarship, um, that time when Mike had retired and went off and played basketball, and that first year how they really flourished and they still showed that same concept. But after Horace left, it went. It was just pretty much, and he didn't have that same backing like he did before. But the thing I want to get into, um, that 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 game where he refused to go back in. What's your thought on that? I mean, do you think that kind of tarnished his image a little bit? Not everybody getting a chance to talk about it again and see it again, or you think it's just something that just happened and we we all move on from it? Well, I think I don't think it tarnished him because he was a competitor. So my thing is if if you you in overload and everything you're doing is not working, he probably just having the moment. You know, and I think it's, it's a lot of incidents where um, you see you see guys 
probably throw a chair or throw some water or kick a chair or, you know what I mean? It, it could be a multitude of things that's actually running through his head at that given time. But if you think about it, I think it was kind of respectable. It wasn't like he was cussing them out. But I think he <clears throat> he handled it to the point where it was like, okay, give me a second. And not only that, if you ain't have a chance, and this is like towards the end of the season, why are you trying to break me down? Like, you know what I mean? And not only that, just being a star player, a lot of coaches will pull certain guys out of the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've seen, I've seen, like, if we don't have a chance to win, I'm not going to leave my starters out there to possibly get injured or get hurt. But right. if you depending on if you depending on me to score the ball at a high level, and not only that, I feel like I'm doing it by myself. Sometimes guys got to take a break. Mm-hmm. I can get a, give me a few minutes if I re, re, rekindle everything, and now I'm like I can get back to it. But there may not be no more time on the clock. <laughs> That's probably why they want to go back in. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, probably need probably need more time that we that we don't. <laughs> and do you think they would have like, if they wouldn't have broke that team? Or do you think they would have won two more titles? Oh my god! Uh, most definitely, they was rolling. You don't win seventy two and ten and break up a team, or you know what I mean? Like it's, it's that's unheard of because now guys are planning once the season ends for the next season. Being a professional athlete is 24 months a year. Ain't no days off. Because now the thing is is that you want to be in the best shape going into training camp, and you want to be prepared mentally and physically for a long season if you're playing to compete in the finals or if you prepare yourself and your body to play in the championship. That just don't happen once the season starts. It's preparation before all that. The guys gotta um, hold themselves hold themselves up to. Okay. Well, let, let me take on our next caller seven seven three two nine four seven seven three two nine four. Big, where you from? Hello. 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 Your background kind of loud. Yeah, seven seven three two nine four. Please turn your TV down or whatever you have going on in your background so that we can hear you. I'm going to go ahead and unmute you again. Seven seven three two nine four. Inside the White House, uh, with lots of testing, all the testing that you need, and yet for Americans who are reporting to work as janitors. Yeah, so maybe they're just calling to listen, my brother. Yeah, because that sounds kind of loud right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we we got we got we got myself Bobby Simmons here on the line. We talking about the last stand. If anybody still want to call in, we got a few more more few more minutes to go before the end of the show. So please call in, tune in, time in, ask your questions. Um, still trying to get them in, ice. Yeah, I was trying to get them in, but again, um, their background, whatever's going on in their background is too loud. 
So um, 773-294, when you get your background muted, then you can press star two on your phone, all right? So that's right. Raise your hand and let us know that you're there. Um, so Bobby, yeah. I see you was talking about um, some of your, let's talk about some of the things that you're doing off the court now. I know you said how you're still working for the NBA and everything, and um, talk about a little bit of that. Just talk about some of your other um, adventures that you're doing outside the court now. Well, um, um, the updated things, one, like you said, um, the business in South Loop success um, on 22nd in Michigan. Um, I have Society. Um, it's an event space. People consider it to be a nightclub, but... Um, more so, I think it's a safe haven environment that I've created um, that gives um, young professionals as well as myself somewhere to actually congregate. And um, beyond that, being a part of the Black Coalition for Housing, um, pretty much um, doing a lot of real estate right now. And um, just basically, like you said, um, if Lipsy was here, he'd say, buy your block. So just trying to get okay. um, a lot of properties, and not only that, just keep our communities together so that it can be affordable housing. And not only that, like you said, we're not washing everybody away so they, so, so we can have families stick together and, you know what I mean, have black black grocery stores and and things like that in our community. So that's that's my next steps. Those are the goals that I'm, I'm pushing toward. And... Um, beyond working for the Players Association, um, I work for the players. So giving these guys knowledge if they leave school early, um, I, I help them go back to school. I help them get their degrees um, as well mm-hmm. as we create programming for things that they're interested in. So that that that's a, a nice bundle of things that I have going on right now. And um, as, as – Anything other than that is just sharing knowledge of anything that I do have or know about. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, and one of the, I wonder, this is not necessarily the last dance right here either. Um, you, I see in the way, I think it's the G League they call it now, where mm-hmm. they got players that's going to be able to make $500,000 a year if they, let's say they don't want to go to college, coming out of high school, they don't want to go to college, they want to play that one year to bridge the gap so they can't get into the NBA. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? My thing is, I think that, one, I would just say being a student athlete in college and the struggles that the guys face due to all the rules, um, I think they should be paid for likeness because um, I would say, like, even for myself, before I got to DePaul, they won three games before that. But once we attended, the university was making money hand over fist, but we wasn't seeing any of it. And now you think about we were being promised that we were going to get an arena while we were playing. So played the last game in Alumni Hall. (laughs) And um, they built other facilities on campus, named it after Ray Meyer, named it, you know what I mean, like all this stuff. But those teams 
probably made money back in the day. But now when you think about all the players who who actually seen selling out United Center in college, playing against Duke, playing against Maryland, playing against Cincinnati, you know what I mean? We had multitude of sellouts. And we didn't see any of that. So I just think that the guys should be paid for their likeness because most definitely NCAA even with March Madness and all this other stuff, they get paid hand over fist. Oh, man, that's an understatement. That's why they're doing this pandemic right now, why they really scrambling trying to figure out what they're going to do because without a college football season, it comes to that, these universities going to take a huge loss, a major loss. Um, so that's, yeah, that's but, why they're panicking right now. Even KJ, just think about it, is that like, they will they will lose young talent to play overseas. Overseas guys are fourteen, fifteen years old, sixteen years old, and now professional. Mm-hmm. Right. So now, what makes it any different when a kid may not be of age to where you may think he's not mature? He still has the capacity to compete at the highest level with an adult. Would you just hold him back and let his talent diminish? Or even even if you have a platform to where he can sell out seats because he's that exciting, like for instance LeBron James coming out of high school, Kobe Bryant coming out of high school, it's a whole lot of talent you might be missing out on. But the G League gives him an opportunity to play on that platform against guys who's probably played professionally, and not only that, is working toward trying to get that contract as well. So you're playing against great talent. And and not only that, I just think it's the business side of it that people are just not really paying attention to. Yeah, because I think that's going to be a big part of you. Like, um, kids might not be going to, to, to college as much, but you won't have them going overseas to play. They can still stay right here in their own country and get their talents to that, for that year to be prepared to step over into the NBA. Because like you said, they're playing against professional players at that point. They're not playing against high school players or college players. Not playing against no kids. You're playing against grown men. Like day in and day out. So they get that experience mentally and physically to be able to go to that next level that next year to be ready for the NBA. And I think that in the the long run, for some of them, I think it's going to make them a better player overall, not playing with with the kids and playing against men at that early age. Like you said, overseas, at 14, 15 years old, some of them playing the professional leagues already. So right. when they come over, they they the, the just the mental part of it. They might not still be there as physically like some of the NBA players are, but the mental part of it, they there. You know that they've been doing this, so they don't mind taking that big that last minute jump, um shot at the end of the game. They don't mind the pressure that's being put on them because they've been dealing with it for the last five years of their life before they even got over here. So I think in the long run, I think in some ways it's going to make some of the players better. I just hope what what most of them would do, still take that time to go back and get that degree. You know, it's nice to have that NBA money and everything, but go back and get that degree. One, you have something they can't take away from you. Two, it's going to teach you how to deal with the success financially that that you're about to come into. So I think they need to educate themselves as well and 
come back and go back and get that degree at some point. And that is the key component to everything you just said because now you got to think about as a young player, you may come into a shitload of money at an early age, but now you need to understand financial literacy. You need to understand business. If it's something that you're interested in, what field that is. Like you need to learn the ins and outs. And that's almost like going back to school as well. So regardless Mm -hmm. if it's not a four-year education, you still can take certificate programs to educate yourself. You know what I mean? And not only that, if you are planning to get a degree, that's what that's what exactly my my role is. Make sure that these guys have the intangible things that not only understand the scheduling and we have an academic advisor as well. Her name is Hannah Alatar. She's dope with helping guys find classes and things like that. And and for those guys who do one and done and two years, you know what I mean? Now you yeah. can take it you can you can take those courses on your own, on your own schedule, so you can figure out what works for you. If it's one or two in the summer, or if you can take an online class, if you think you can handle it throughout the year, when is it fall or is it spring? You know what I mean. Towards the end of the season, you know what I mean. So you have options. Right. You have those options, and that's something that I faced. I I had nine credit hours when I left the fall, and I was so so focused on trying to get more playing time and be the best player that I can possibly be, it was after 10 years. So after that, they changed the curriculum, and then it's it's 19 classes. So it was either I just keep working out, get prepared for training camp, or I could just take this time to be like, you know what, let me go ahead and finish this up. I promised my family I was going to finish up. I was the first okay. in my family to actually go to college. I promised my parents, grandparents, everybody. May my dad rest in peace. Like, he saw me graduate. You know what I'm saying? So that was a big, a, a hell of an accomplishment for myself, to, for my kids and my dad and my grandparents and my mom. Like, I promised them that I was going to finish, and I did. So imagine okay. how many other imagine how many other players have promised their families that they're going to finish. Mhm. When they when they take that journey of wanting to play professional, education is everything. Your mind is not going to stop working when you're done bouncing that ball. Exactly. Um, I want to as we coming to the end of uh, well, we don't went a little bit over as we coming to the end of the show. I want to thank everybody else on Facebook Live that had tuned in to check me out. I want to thank everybody that called in. I want to give a special thanks to Bobby Simmons himself for um, um, being my guest tonight and giving us great knowledge and, 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 and thoughts on not only basketball but in life also. Uh, Bobby, I want to give you a chance to um, anything, any last, any last little bit you want to put out here to say to the people um, on anything you want to, anything that you want to say um, to just, just to inspire the people. Uh, just to say what's up to somebody. Well, I just want to say what's up to everybody that tuned in, most definitely. And um, I just want to say that I hope you guys just keep yourself safe um, through this this, this trying moment. Um, hopefully it will be over soon. 
and um, just make sure you're in good health, taking care of your elders, and we got to protect them most definitely. And not only that, help out, continue to help out our youth in the community. Thank you, Bobby. Um, I'm going to give a um, little comment myself also that um, safety, Bobby was saying, you know, everybody, you know, understand where, 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 where your life is right now. Understand that God is going to be the key, that you got, you got to put your faith in God because without God, we're nothing. With, with God, um, anything and everything is possible. Then possible is possible. And God is going to be what's going to lead us through this as long as we're willing to, to understand and let him lead. Let his will be done first before anything else, and we will see the end of this pandemic. So none of us necessarily know when, but we have to hold our faith until that time comes. You know, God don't always come when we want him to come, but he's always on time. And, I mean, so everybody just stay safe out here. Understand that we have to do the, do our part for this to work out. We know we have to keep our social distance from each other. We have to wear our masks. We have to wash our hands. Do what you have to do first to make sure that you're safe, that your family's safe, that your loved ones are safe. Because none of us want to see none of our people go. But we have to understand that we got to do what we, got, what we have to do. And as this time get ready, we're getting ready to get into warmer weather, that don't mean that things have changed. It ain't changed to the point where we can go out here and do, live the life like we used to. We still have to do the things that we need to do in order for this, for this, this pandemic to be able to, to end, for us to be able to get back and get to some, some forms of normalcy. So I say God bless everyone. I ask everyone to be safe. And before I go, I want to let my brother Black Ice tune in and let him get his last words before we go. Absolutely. Um, you know, this has been a beautiful show. You know, when you can come on, you can talk about sports, you can talk about history, you can talk about testimony. And, um, you know, coming from a school like Simeon, you know, home of Ben Wilson, home of Deion Thomas, home of Derek Rose, and just some of the greats, man. And I know there's many more. Uh, I just want to say I've been blessed, man, to um, just um witness that history you know and how do we apply some of those things today that we are looking at from the last dance you don't know when your time is going to come you know what i'm saying you don't know when your last dance is going to be so let's make sure that every day we walk you know we make a difference in somebody's life um, there's only two reasons why we exist on this earth one is to serve god and the other one is to serve man so um do your job man while you're here and make sure you leave a legacy behind so that when they type in your name on google or when they research you they know that you have existed because you left something behind for somebody else that's my last thoughts amen to that and so i will say uh, ladies and gentlemen you've been tuned in to a man's view hosted by Kenneth Jellybean Jennings, live on a four-time award-winning Poet Radio with my sketch of special guest, Bobby Simmons. I'm going to say thank you. Until next time, good night, and God bless everyone.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.